Hi, everyone. Welcome to Woven in Truth podcast. We're so happy you're joining us today. Um, we have a special guest on the show. Brooke Messenbrink is here with us. Thank you, Brooke, for joining us. Thank you for having me. I feel yes. humbled. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. So, um, Brooke, you're an art teacher and just mm-hmm. an artist, mm-hmm. right? Um, I was at your house last week for a paint party, mm-hmm. and it was so fun. I had to put it on my Instagram because we had so <laughs> much fun. Um, but we did this, like, cool pouring technique, mm-hmm. and um, it was great. And you were very patient. You took us through Aww. it step by step. How long have you practiced art? Well, I think officially practiced art since I was in college, okay. since I was – um, in my early 20s, mm-hmm. always had the desire um, to pursue art. It was always just a part of who I was. Um, I started with architecture in high school. Oh, cool. And then um, in college, I, I changed my major to illustration oh. and then uh, graphic design because okay. I thought, well, I needed something to fall back on mm-hmm. to make money if this right. <laughs> thing doesn't right. work out. Totally. Um, but yeah, it's just always been a passion of mine. And I think in the last 10 years, we had the opportunity to homeschool, which mm-hmm. provided me the opportunity to be able to teach art um, part-time. Oh, cool. And it helped me to discover more of, I guess, become more in touch with the techniques mm-hmm. of practicing art um, down to the small steps. Right. A lot of people will say, Oh, I can't do art. I don't have a creative bone in my body. Right, or I can barely right. draw a stick figure. Yeah. And honestly, I believe it's just a misperception. Mm-hmm. Uh, mis- uh, it's just it's a lie. It's not the truth. Everybody yeah. is, is creative. Uh-huh. We have to learn how to get in touch with it. Right. And it's also so true. and also be taught the skills. Yeah. It's once we learn the skills and have the tools, we have the tools in our toolbox, our creativity will just blossom. Definitely. And uh, that's what I promote when I teach yeah. art, and that's what I've seen in myself. Well, I've I've been able to experience that because we were, you know, when we were doing it, you were leading us all, and it was kind of like one of those paint parties. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, step by step, people start to like doubt themselves or you know make fun <laughs> of themselves, and you're like, no, it's perfect, it's great, you know, you just would appreciate everything, and mm. I really appreciate that yeah. you also encourage the use of glitter in things. <laughs> <laughs> because I firmly believe that everything, you know, yeah. is just gets better with glitter. Right. So sparkle I, away. Thank you so much <laughs> for just, you know, letting me be me and sure. add glitter to everything. I, I was thinking of you. I thought we have to have glitter at this thing. We gotta <laughs> we gotta include the glitter in there somehow. It's just gonna make it yeah. more awesome. Yeah, I just really appreciate your encouragement there. Um but we're so excited just that you're here just to share your journey and some of what you have experienced in the life you've lived, but how what you've learned about God through that mm. and his okay. love. So yeah, just feel free to take it away. We can't wait to hear what you have to share with us. Oh, thank you. So um, my adoption experience really led me to have a relationship with God and to thrive in knowing God and, and also be, being a Christian. So I was adopted um, shortly after I was born. I was born in Hollywood, California. A lot of people think I was born to a, like a you know movie star or something. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I still have yet to discover that. Yeah. So I was born in 1969 in Hollywood. And um, my biological parents were not married. They had been dating for a while, but then they 
broke up, so they didn't have an ongoing relationship. And it was culturally unacceptable at this time for, for moms to be single. So my birth mother, you know, she could have aborted me, but she chose to endure her pregnancy, endure labor, mm-hmm. and, um, and then give me up for adoption because she wanted me to have both a mom and a dad. Mm-hmm. So thank you, birth mom, for not aborting me. And uh, that was really special, you know, to be able to be adopted mm-hmm. by a mom and a dad. And then um, growing up, I'm not going to give you my whole life story, but my adopted family went through a number of trials that really had a significant impact on me, which led me to my relationship with God. And Mm -hmm. so first of all, we were not Christians. And I don't mean to say this, it's, you know, sad, but I don't mean to be like negative towards my, my parents, just saying this is a truth, this is a fact, that God wasn't present in our family uh, we didn't believe in him. We didn't pray. We didn't read the Bible. I don't even think we had a Maybe we had a Bible, but it, it was on the bookshelf or in the drawer. Mm-hmm. We didn't have Christian values or motivations. Our life was void of God. And I didn't really understand that, the significance of that, until later when I became a Christian, mm-hmm. especially when I became a mom. And I realized how challenging it is to make good choices to have discernment, to be selfless, to raise a child with love and mm-hmm. patience and kindness and joy, to instill those things. You know, honestly, I can't imagine doing it without God's strength. It's hard enough as it is right. to, to be a human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so without God, it just, um, you know, I just can't imagine it. So looking back on my childhood, I really have empathy for my parents um, who, you know, they both worked full-time, they ran our, our household, they raised and trained three kids to be, try to be responsible and have a healthy marriage, and they were doing the best that they could, mm-hmm. you know, without relying on God. Um, so that was the first thing that was really significant. The second one was my parents, um, my first father, adopted father, and my mom divorced when I was five. Um, he had been abusive to us, so that relationship ended, and um, I remember my mom came. She pulled us into the bathroom, and um, she told us, he's out of our lives. You're, you're never going to talk to him again or see him again. Wow. And I just, I didn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel any sense of loss, or I was glad. It was, like, not a big deal, mm-hmm. and um, which is sad, you know. Right. But anyway, so they divorced. That was pretty significant. And then... Shortly, about two years later, my mom remarried uh, when I was seven and to my new dad, who also adopted me. And I vividly remember sitting on my dad's lap in the judge's chamber, and the judge asked, asked me, you know, do you think he's going to be a good dad? And I said, yes. And I just, I remember feeling wanted by him because he chose to adopt me. The last uh, most significant thing that I remember from growing up was that probably the greatest gift my mom gave me was telling me that I was special because I was chosen by them. Mm. I always felt different. You know, we looked different. Our traits were different, you know, behaviors, the way we thought. But I always felt chosen by them. And she would remind me of that, you know, yearly. And so that was really significant. That really shaped who I was. Right. And um, I believe that 
God was expressing his love to me through those words. Mm. And I didn't really realize the power of these words until I found God when I was 20 years old. The absence of connectedness and belonging and longing to feel loved drove me to search for God. Mm. In Psalm 68, it says, God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, and God sets the lonely in families. So even though God provided me with a physical family and took care of me through them, something was still missing. Mm. I felt lonely and disconnected, which is typical among adopted children because of that you know, difference of race, um, difference of biological traits. Just so you know, my, my dad is Mexican, mm. my, my um, adopted dad. And he's really dark-skinned mm-hmm. and dark hair, like completely opposite for me. I'm fair, mm-hmm. blonde hair, blue eyes. And so that was normal for me growing up, that that difference was normal. Mm-hmm. But it still was like an obvious difference. And my grandmother, um, she taught me how to make Mexican food. Mm-hmm. My grandfather didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are differences. Right. But that was normal for me. So it definitely made me feel a little bit disconnected or a lot disconnected and lonely. So it made me ask questions like, well, who do I look like? Right. What, where did I come from? What is my heritage? And my mom tried to um, help me with that. She was told that I was Scandinavian. Mm-hmm. So she tried to help me embrace that heritage. Later on, recently, I found out that I was not Scandinavian at all, which is kind of funny. Um, but that's okay. We'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, when I was 20 years old, I studied the Bible for the first time with a group of women who were helping me to know God's love. And that's when I learned that he had a spiritual family for me. In Ephesians 4, it says, God chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. In Ephesians 2, it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So God chose me. Just like my mom said, I was chosen. I was special because I was chosen. God chose me to be his daughter. He's Mm -hmm. choosing. He chooses all of us Mm -hmm. to be his children. And it's in accordance with his pleasure and will. He wants us. He loves us. He, He doesn't want us to be foreigners or strangers, but members of his household. Mm. And so... Even though our spiritual family is diverse, we all come from different backgrounds. I mean, that's how God created us. Mm -hmm. We're unified through the blood of Jesus. Because of this acceptance and adoption, you know, it's really God's grace and his mercy into his spiritual family. Um, He's helped heal that sense of brokenness that I had Mm -hmm. um, and caused me to feel connected, not just to other people, family members, but Mm -hmm. to all of humanity. Instead of seeing, you know, the difference of race, like, for example, my father, I I feel connected because we're both human beings. Right. It's empowered me to extend that same grace and mercy mercy to others, um, especially to my physical family, my husband and my son. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of seeing differences as something that disconnects, I can, I really strive to seek to understand them and 
offer compassion. I can appreciate their traits and their strengths that are different than mine. Mm-hmm. I try to use Jesus as my role model to interact with respect and kindness and patience, directness and love. Mm-hmm. For example, my husband and I are complete opposites. <laughs> I'm a city girl. He's a country boy. <laughs> I'm an artist. He's a mathematician mm-hmm. and works in data governance. I'm results-driven, and he's more about the process and journey. Mm-hmm. Okay, That's just scratching the surface of our differences. <laughs> We're so opposite. And these differences really used to frustrate me in our marriage mm-hmm. because we think so opposite. And it's taken a lot of humility for me to seek to understand, understand him and appreciate his differences. Mm-hmm. And not just appreciate, but take a minute and empathize. Like, oh, you... You're doing it this way because of da 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 da, you know, and just accept like that's okay. Right. It's okay that he's right. different, and he accepts me for mm-hmm. who I am for being different than him. And in addition, I try to now imitate his strengths because his strengths are my weaknesses and my strengths are his weaknesses. Right. And so I really make an effort to imitate his strengths. Mm-hmm. And it's been beautiful because it's it's helping us to grow closer together. It has really helped us a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. So I wanted to share some specific ways that God has shown his love th- love to me through adoption. First of all, he's helped me to feel that I belong, that I'm included and that he wants to nurture me. I think we can all agree that we all want to feel like we belong to mm-hmm. a group of people who love and accept us for who we are, especially after they get to know us, mm-hmm. right? They get to know all of our faults and our funkiness. Uh, when I was a kid, I always felt different. I wasn't like anyone else. I didn't have any close friends. I was bullied. I was taken advantage of. I was mm-hmm. misunderstood. In Luke 13, Jesus says that he longs to gather the Israelite children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you think about Jesus. He he knows that we have that need to belong, yeah. to be included, and to be nurtured. And um, he just says, I long to gather you like a, like a mama bird, <laughs> right? Just I want to gather you under my wings. I want to protect you. I want to raise you. I want to nurture you. And I want you all to get along. <laughs> and so that's that's one way that that God has helped me to experience his love. And he has taken care of me. Um, we've gone through a lot of hard times as a family, um, personally. Um, and I've never been homeless. I've never starved. You know, I've just, I was thinking this morning, the like, last... Ten years, um, five years, we were homeschooling. I mean, my husband, we're a, a one-income family in Southern California. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. But God has provided that for us so that we could pursue our desires, which was to homeschool and for me to pursue my art. And I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so God has not just you know, provided the minimum. He's abundantly blessing us. Um, and he's he's helped me to be able to stand up to the bullies of the world, mm-hmm. to speak, you know, to have a voice, to speak with compassion and conviction. 
Um, the second way that God has helped me to experience his love is that he has not abandoned me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he will never leave me. He's perfect in faithfulness. For about the first 10 years as a Christian, I really struggled with believing that God would not abandon me. No matter how great adopted family might be to adopted kids, there's always going to be this feeling of abandonment because birth parents gave them up. Mm -hmm. And so there was a fear of of being abandoned again that I had. It was really serious. So when we were early in my marriage, (laughs) we would go to the grocery store, just walking down an aisle shopping, and suddenly Dave would disappear and I would freak out. Like, where did he go? Mm-hmm. You know, he just went to the bathroom, mm-hmm. you know. And so little things like that are, right. are really significant for people who have fear of abandonment. And I think a lot of people can relate to having some kind of abandonment issue due to, like, divorce or death or some loved one, you know, um, leaving them. Right. Or maybe moving around a lot. And so... Like I said, for about 10 years, my first 10 years as a Christian, I really struggled. I thought God was going to leave me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do anything, good or bad. He's, he's going to leave me. Yeah. And I really had to dig into the scriptures and pray through them to believe that God is who he says he is. Yeah. So here's some highlights from Psalm 145 about God. It says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him. So these are just some verses that totally changed my mind about who God is and um, his faithfulness to me, that he'll never abandon me. And that I can completely trust him with my whole life. Um, And another way that God has shown his love to me is in disciplining my character and helping me to grow as a person. So as a child, I don't know if you guys can relate, but I resented and rebelled against my parents' discipline. Mm -hmm. Uh, My childish view saw it as punishment. They were against me. I didn't realize they were trying to help me to become a responsible adult with good qualities. I thought they were just trying to keep me from doing what I wanted to do and ruin my life. Right. <laughs> right? Totally. And so, um, you know, my parents disciplined me the way that they thought was best. We have to remember now as adults and acknowledge that, you know, hum- human parents have limitations. None of us are perfect. Right. That's helped me to, you know, have compassion on them. Also, as a parent, we can seem to discipline our children on one extreme or the other as too authoritative or too gracious. Right. You know, we're just doing it as a subconscious response to our own parenting. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> but God's discipline is perfect. Yep. 
in Hebrews 12, it says, My son or daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Mm-hmm. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate and not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. Well, I don't know about that. But (laughs) how much more should we submit to the Father of our spirit and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So here's another example of where I really had to pray and believe that this scripture was true, that God is for me, and that the hardships that I'm going through are for my benefit to change me. And it also helped me to take responsibility for my choices, um, even the things that affected me that other people did to me, Mm -hmm. the, um, the abuse that I received. I have to take responsibility for my response Mm -hmm. to those things. You know, am I going to be a victim and just uh, be defensive and critical and bitter? Mm -hmm. Or am I going to, Ask, you know, God, what can I learn from this? How can I, you know, be, how can I respond the way that Jesus responded? Mm -hmm. How can I be more like Jesus and full of love and compassion and grace, but also not compromise who I am? Yes. Right? Um, So those scriptures have helped me tremendously to believe that, you know, God loves me. He's not going to abandon me. He's for me. He wants the best for me. I'm his creation. And um, that's all good. You know, God wants me to become more holy. All right. So one of the most frequent questions I get when I tell people that I was adopted is, have you ever tried to find your birth parents? And the answer is yes. I started searching when I was a young adult um, before we had access to the information on the internet. And I continued searching on and off for about 20 years. Um, Yeah, a long time. And like I said, before the internet. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I, and I really, through that time, I had to wrestle with my motivation. Was I trying to replace my adoptive parents? Mm -hmm. No. Was I trying to fill a void in my life? Sort of. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I wanted to know where I came from and I wanted to share the gospel with them. But after searching for so long without any answers, I quit about 10 years ago. Uh, When my son was born, he was the first person in my life who looked like me and had similar traits as me, which was huge. Mm -hmm. People would say to me when he was a baby, he looks just like you. And that filled me up. It Mm -hmm. just gave me so much validation. Over time... I just, I did not feel as compelled to continue searching for them. Mm-hmm. I, I felt fulfilled, like I didn't really need that. Mm-hmm. But my husband, I mean, God put it on his heart to, um, to continue searching. And wow. so last summer, he gave me three DNA tests because uh, one was not enough <laughs> as a birthday present. And um, honestly, I didn't even have the desire anymore to find them. 
Um, my life seemed full. But I honored my husband by proceeding with the tests, and two of them came back with close relative matches. DNA results, they come back in, like, hierarchy. So there's close relatives, and there's the first layer of cousins or relatives, second, mm-hmm. third, fourth. And everybody, by the fourth layer, we're all related. Okay? Yeah, totally. <laughs> all right. So close relative means we have, like, about 25% DNA match. Okay. So you're, more. like, definitely in the same family. We're definitely in the same family. Okay. De- like, in the immediate family. Wow. Immediate family. Okay. All my life, I've been searching for my mother because I have her name and the address of where she lived when I was born. So I thought, oh, I'm going to find her. And when I emailed this close relative, I said, do you know so-and-so, my mother's name? And she emailed back and said, no, I have no idea who you're talking about. Um, I know everyone in my family, and that person is not my family. So I was kind of confused, like, okay. Uh But I just went on my business, and then um, the next DNA result came in, same person, but also another person with the same last name. So I sent the same email to both of them, and the um, the other person, Shane, um, he responded and said, wow, you know, we're a close relative. We've got to figure this out. Yeah. And I shared my story with him, and he said, you know what, I think... I think you are related to my uncle. I'm going to talk to my mom, and I'll get back to you. So about a week later, she emailed me uh-huh. <laughs> and said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe, you know, we found you or you wow. found us. And she remembered her brother telling her that I was born, um, but he was not in a place where he could take care of me or respond in any way. So she remembered that I was, that I existed. Uh And now, you know, many years later, um, we are connected and they live in Southern California. And I was able to visit them two weekends ago for the first time. It was amazing. They're incredible people, very open hearted. And she shared with me about my ancestry, which by the way, I'm not Scandinavian. Okay. One percent. One percent. But you know that through and through, huh? Yes. <laughs> You're one percent culture. Yes. Um, so I'm Irish, British, and Northern European. But she was able to share with me about my ancestry. She showed me lots of pictures and just was super welcoming. It was pretty phenomenal. Still kind of like a dream. Yeah. Like, did that really happen? Wow. Yeah. So in the past six months, I've asked myself, you know, why have I found them at this time in my life when I wasn't even looking for them? Mm -hmm. And in Acts 17, Paul addresses a group of philosophers in Athens who are questioning the existence of God. Mm -hmm. And he says, the God who made the world and everything in it, who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth. And he allotted the time set for their existence and the boundaries of the places where they should live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. Mm -hmm. Though indeed he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own prophets had said, 
for we too are his offspring. Mm. I love this scripture because it answers so many questions for me. You know, God um, has been working for the good in my entire life and everyone's lives. You know, he has predetermined the times set for us to live, to Mm -hmm. exist, and where we should live. And, you know, God is present in my life during all of that. And um, I don't think I would be mature enough or gracious enough to deal with connecting to my biological family until now, until this time in my life. Mm. Um, Like I said, my my biological father, he's alive, but I'm not in a position to connect with him yet. It's just, it's not a good situation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think maybe 10 years ago, I don't know how I would have handled that. Right. Right now, I'm, I would definitely say I'm confident to You know, I can be compassionate towards him mm-hmm. in his situation. So I really appreciate this gift of being connected with them um, and have the wisdom, I feel, at this time in my life to handle these new relationships mm-hmm. while staying connected to my adoptive parents. Right. So in conclusion, being adopted by my physical family initiated the feeling of being chosen And becoming a Christian into God's family made me feel loved, accepted, and chosen by my creator. Mm -hmm. And connecting with my biological family at this time in my life has reaffirmed my faith in God's hand working for the good of my life at the right time and place. I can trust him completely. So if you're adopted or if you're a, a parent who has adopted or if you're trying to understand how God loves you, through adoption, um, my prayer for you is that you will be able to comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth of Christ's love for you that surpasses knowledge and that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow, that's inspiring. Uh, I Your story is amazing. Um, I think it's incredible how even raw some of this stuff is. Like you just went and found these, you know, part of yeah. your family two weeks ago. Like. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. And just the journey you're on and you've been on, I just really appreciate you sharing, you know, with us that. And um, you mentioned how God's acceptance and love has been what really healed your heart and Mm -hmm. has kind of gotten you to this point of contentment, um, but excitement about what else he's trying to show you and the way he's trying to love you. But Mm -hmm. I really love that you didn't just let it stop there. And you mentioned how, you know, his incredible love for you is what empowers you to then turn and and be compassionate and empathetic and give mercy to those around you. And I really do. I believe that this kind of outlook is what God wants to use to change the world through us, especially as women. I feel like we have unique capacities for this kind of love and compassion. But Mm -hmm. um, if, you know, if we can draw that from God and then extend that to others, I think that's how he wants to change the world. So Mm -hmm. I know everybody who's listening, we want to be women of compassion and conviction, which is what you mentioned and honestly who you are. So thank you so much for being with us today and being on the podcast. We really appreciate, you know, what you you put on, what God's put on your heart to share. Um, And I want to just encourage everyone who listened, just like Brooke mentioned that, you really are chosen, you're mm-hmm. wanted, and you are so loved by God. And we hope you feel that um, today, but always. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, and we'll catch you next time. We are one.